you know, it happens to quite a few people. Um, and I had a number of people saying, look, it was like, actually, in a sense, it gave them strength to deal with certain situations because they could see an example of that you can do the two things and you don't, you know, life doesn't stop. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting, like, um, and yeah, not like absolutely not easy, but manageable. Welcome to Out of Adventuring, the show about explorers and inspiring adventurers and the details behind their incredible journeys. They not only take us through their hardships and highlights, but also let us know what they have learned on these trips that has changed them and their everyday life. Hi, I'm Torben from the World Explorers Collective and today with me is Markus. And Markus has traveled the world, like many, on a bicycle. However, his bicycle was a little bit special because it had no gears. A so-called single speed. That meant, in particular, that he had to plan well in advance when there were mountains that he would have to cross because he would need to adjust his pedal speed, conserve energy to make it over these mountains. However, he didn't choose a single speed bike to break another record or be world's first. For him, this purest of all bicycles stands for simplicity. And that simplicity is so important for him as in return, it again stands for nothing less but freedom. I think to take it a little bit deeper um, into into my history and like just my background, I grew up in, in East Germany and um, I think ever since the war came down when I was 10 years old, um, I, like freedom has a massive, um, um, yeah, ranks possibly the highest in my life above any of the other values. And um, I, for me, um, once I discovered cycling and, and that took a while to happen, like I wasn't, I wasn't your sporty child who loved PE lessons, whatever I was, I was possibly on exactly the other side of the spectrum. Um, but once I discovered cycling and it, it always meant, um, like to extend that freedom for me and, and just to get that little bit further and yeah, discover, discover new things. So like, I think a lot of my cycling is a means of getting somewhere as a means of meeting new people as a means of doing things other than being, you know, I'm interested in cycling and I love, love some geekery around it as well, but I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not too too involved in technical innovations and stuff like this and um when it came to going around the world um i had been cycling for a prolonged time on a single speed bike in scotland and that kind of initially happened more by accident other than anything else because i wanted a bike that would get me home for christmas during the winter from from edinburgh to germany and i wanted something which is super simple so nothing can really go wrong and then i like when I initially cycled on that bike, I discovered, to be honest, it can do everything um, a more complicated bike can do. Like the, you know, a bike is a bike. <laughs> it's got two wheels, got a frame, handlebars, a chain, and whatever. Like it is, you know. There, of course, there's different types of bikes that can do certain things better. You know, once you once you discover the fact that actually you can do all of the stuff um, with that bike, um, but you've got none of the fuss um, that comes with mm. more complicated bikes. It is unlikely to go wrong, um, you know, and, and and that's the mindset I think I I was setting off with. I was like, you know, the bike's going to do the job. 
um, from what I can tell, from what I've been soaking up to that point, I can do the job as well. So I think you need to live, you need to, whenever you do any of those expeditions, you need to have a certain level of confidence in yourself. Oh yeah. What you're doing is, you know, you're capable of doing it because otherwise it's not much point setting off with self-doubts because it'll eventually get you into some sort of hole where <laughs> you need to get out of and you know and so like it was simple um you know i had the confidence i can do this i've got the strength to cycle up hills in long gear and so i did and when you um when you set off you decided to only go for i mean only in quotes for a year mm -hmm. um and you, you purposely decided against like sponsors and doing it you know, like a broader, even, you know, even bigger mission yeah. and adventure that might go on for years and years. Mm -hmm. And there was some thinking behind that. Yeah. Um, I think the, uh, the way I approached this trip was, um, it was, it, it, it did two things at the same time. It was for me to get some thinking space, to take a year off, um, and take stock. And I think that's, a, that's, I do think that's very important. Um, mm. Like, you know, I often met people like, how can you take a year off, you know, without pay, without whatever. I saved money. I, I was working beforehand. Um, and, um, you know, I roughly calculated how much do I need for doing this for a year. And, you know, I I, I could do that. So I, I, I didn't have to rely on sponsors to bankroll the trip for me. Um, and and it gave me a certain level of independence because I could I could call it mm, absolutely. Um, and I you know sponsorship is like I work with sponsors and I you know my professional background is in sponsorship so I used to I used to organize um, sponsorship for for a music festival in Germany and then um, my my job that I left was literally um, generating publicity on the back of two major sports events and then reaping the benefits out of that by getting new commercial sponsors in for the organization I was working for. So I was well accustomed. So I could have done that. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a lack of skills or lack of ideas, but for me, I was just like, this is my trip and, 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 you know, I can, I can do this. And, and, and for me, the whole trip, I, I had some support. I worked together with Surly um, and a couple of other companies um at like the early beginnings of the relationship of i've got with Schwalbertires these days um but purely from a thing that i said look if i want a bike like can you help me building a bike um that i can take around the world <clears throat> but mm. that was it i didn't want any cash sponsorship or whatever um but i so like the trip was stock taking in my own life reflecting on what have I done so far what direction do I want to take and 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 I think doing that on a in a everyday um environment is super hard and you know it's it's just like you 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 get pulled into so many directions by social interactions and whatever so doing that is is really and and for me it was just I'm just gonna take a year off and you know this is this is the great it's a great opportunity to do that um um, I'll certainly get a different view on many things. Um, you know, I wouldn't say I'm careful with, with using things like it, this is a life-changing trip. I don't think it was, you know, it was just the continuation of a direction I was already heading into, but it gave me the ability to reflect on it. On the other side, giving myself a year was just, I think it's just kind of like to prevent myself to have that thing which was you know pretty it's still a pretty special thing to do to be become something that becomes routine and 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 you know i think if you're doing something you're really passionate about and fair to say that i'm passionate about cycling um 
I think if it becomes too much of your life, then it also is a tricky thing. So I feel I'm going to give myself a year. That gives me the focus I need um, not to fall into that trap. Um, and quite frankly, it was enough. Like, it was quite like, you know, I just I just think because um, I think just towards the end, there were a number of situations where I thought like, you know what, if I would be at the very beginning of the trip, I would possibly do that. I was planning to cycle the Wild Atlantic Way in Ireland. Um, and I pulled it, you know, I just went directly up north from 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 Dublin because I felt like, you know, I've done enough hills, I've done enough mountains. It's going to be really hard to top those experiences. Um, so, you know, I'm just going to take it a little bit more easy. And I think this is like the longer the trip goes on and the longer cycling becomes what you do on an everyday basis, I think the more you'll possibly get into that mode where you kind of go like, oh, it's just another mountain. It's just another beautiful lake, you know, but I've seen it all. So I think it's you don't uh, you don't appreciate things yeah. then as much anymore. Yeah. Mm, I get that. You I mean, I think everyone can imagine the I mean, the, the, the physical strain that mm -hmm. that you have to endure when cycling on a single speed, which is a bicycle without any gear. So you just you can only go as fast as your as, as your legs move. Every hill is really a steep hill. Um, but at the same time, when you look at the physical um, toll it took on you and at the same time also the mental challenges, what was in the end more difficult? I like so physically I had no issues whatsoever. Um, like I'm my my body is, you know, you could possibly say it's well maintained. Um, you know, I can I can I, I never had any issues. I think my my philosophy behind cycling is and I totally disagree with the people who say you need to get in a pain cave or it needs to be painful to no, it doesn't. You know, as soon as you you know, as this is this is applying to people who cycle on a non-professional level of course if you you know if you if you're a professional cyclist cycling into the fronts it will be painful at times but that's okay you're getting paid for that <laughs> you know um that's your job um for me i like from 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 an amateur point of view like you know i i cycle because i want to have fun i want to have a good time um i want to push myself but you can do that without suffering all the time um and 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 i think in that sense the single speed was actually a really good decision because you um your your speed is very consistent your style of cycling is very consistent my average speed pretty much for the whole round the world trip has been cons yeah pretty much stable except um it it differed in new zealand um and australia because one of them was fairly flat and the other one was very hilly um other than that it was fine um I think from a mental point of view, um, and 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 this is I think this is important for people to know as well. This isn't you know any of those expeditions is absolutely no walk in the park, um, and even for um, and you know I I have friends who've done similar things and they will all possibly tell you exactly the same. Um, it's you know although you can prepare for most situations you know there is a certain element you can't prepare for you know you you can't prepare for a pretty toxic combination of having a headwind in the middle of nowhere and not being in the right mindset you know and and and, and this is where it all kicks off but i think what you can do um is and and i think in that sense it's actually the trip so from a physical point of view I haven't really taken that much out of the trip, but from a mental point of view, 
I think I've been going through multiple situations where I really had to find ways to deal with that. And that is much, much more difficult than, than you know, the physical pain you might even have. You had a very tragic event happening during your trip um, at yeah. home when your when your dad passed yeah. away while you were pretty much on the other other end of the world. Yeah. And um, in in the end, you were very close with your family and uh, decided that the best way for you is to actually continue your journey. Can you? I mean, that is a very you know probably very difficult to cope with that by yourself. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's like any any situation that involves grief, um, especially of that level, is I think it's just very human to, um, yeah. It just is coming back to the mental challenge. I think you'll, um, as with anything in life, you know, it's just like life goes on, and you just need to deal with the situations as they are. And and I think in that particular thing is. Um, I I was in a tricky position because you know if, if a close family member dies, you want to be there for for your family and you want to play your part in that. Whereas mm. I also wanted to um, want to continue the trip. So like if I uh, it, it would have potentially be the perfect excuse to call it quits and say, look, I've tried. <laughs> It's not for me. I'm I'm going to do something else. But I was never in that position. Mm. Um, I you know even the, and and. And my brother, my sister, my mom, they knew that. And they and and they said, look, go out again, continue what you've been doing. Um, you know, you can you can you can do the bit you, you if 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 needed being, you can play that role when you're back. And it's actually it was really helpful for my mom because she had something um which distracted her a little bit because she was basically like experiencing the world with me, because she had a um, she was looking each day where I was cycling. So oh, I like nice. I think the way I bridged the gap a little bit is just staying in close contact with them um, and, and you know, kind of like giving away more from the journey than I would have otherwise done because I'm possibly not the best communicator when it comes to this. And, you know, if you sit on a saddle for 15 days a day, then, you know, you're possibly not the most motivated people to the person to, to share stuff afterwards. But I really tried to, at least for a number of months, to kind of like keep her... Mm you know, mm. so she could follow. And yeah, it was, it was great. And I think doing the extra effort. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, and, um, it, it, from my point of view and I had a, I actually, it was interesting to see the response because I was pretty open with what happened. Um, and, but at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to like, you know, the person you see on social media is, is, is a slightly different person than you would see when you know me as a, like, I don't, you know, I'm happy to give some things away, but I also don't want to expose everything I do in, in, in public because it's, I think that there's a, there's a need for, um, for, for, for boundaries to, to kind of, you know, there's, there's stuff that belongs in the public domain and there's stuff that doesn't belong there. Um, so it's quite tricky sometimes to draw the line between that. Um, but on the other hand, what was encouraging, you know, you'll, you very quickly find out that, um, such a situation is, 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 you know, it happens to quite a few people. Um, and I had a number of people saying, look, it was like, actually in a sense it gave them strength to deal with certain situations because they could see an example of that you can do the two things and you don't, you know, life doesn't stop. Um, so yeah, and it was interesting, like, um, and yeah, not like absolutely not easy, but manageable. Yeah, I can imagine that it's, um, 
as you said, you spend 10, 15 hours uh, on the bike. I think you're probably most of the time not talking to anyone. Um, like, how is it to not get lost in your own thoughts, get lost in your own head and actually, you know, I, you started to appreciate like the small things of, around you more and more. But, but how, how does that work if you just by yourself for such a long time? The, the main thing about this is I think there's a difference of being by yourself and being lonely. And this is the kind of thing. So like, and I, I think often the two of them get mixed mm, together. Mm, yeah. Um, and I'm the sort of person I, I, and I've done that before around the trip, world trip as well. I never had an issue with that. Like I'm happy to travel by myself. I'm happy, you know, happy to, 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 to deal with my own decisions and, you know, also happy to live the consequences that it causes. And I, this is the kind of thing like, and, um i think at time most of the times it was it was manageable and is it easy i don't know like it kind of depends on your point of view what easy is and what isn't um um i think it's just um a matter of again like i think routine plays a bit of a role in there so um when and this just doesn't just apply to the around the world trip does apply to other stuff as well I think if you can base any of your actions on your personal experience, that is much, much better than if you base it on someone else's experience. And obviously, the longer you go on on a trip like this, the more of those experiences, whether they're good or bad, you make, um, and the more your actions actually get defined by that as well. So I was like to give you give you a bit of an example of that. I, I think there's a distinct difference between danger and uncomfort. Um, and I think to the outside, um, many people sometimes thought like, if you go to in a country like Iran, um, it's dangerous. It isn't, <laughs> you know, people are, it's a different culture. Um, and it's totally normal to, if you are, if you've been growing up in a Western country with certain values and norms that you possibly initially in the first two or one or two days, um, you perceive things in a different way. And, and, you know, some situations are, yeah, they're uncomfortable. And, and you know, I, I guess if you're, if you're confident in your own company, you deal with that. If you're not, then it gets tricky in those situations, you know, because, um, but I then also would argue if you, um, if you're with a number of people, you will have a really different cultural experience. So the, the stuff I got to experience because I was by myself was very different from the stuff I would experience if I travel in a group of people, because a group of people like will in pretty much any social situation be a certain barrier to people. Like if they see five people that might not speak to you, if they only see one person on the bike, that's cool. You know, they, they, they think like, you know, there's nothing that can happen. Like yeah. no danger here. Um, and I think that's, that's the, that's the kind of thing. And, um, and, and, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think that it's quite natural as well. There are times when you feel lonely, you know, there's times when um, things are not going to plan and you kind of go like, oh, it'd be really nice to be somewhere where I can actually talk to people, whatever. But if I look at those times and the other times where I was really happy in my own comfort, uh, in, in my own company, um, possibly, I don't know, 95% and 5% if you if you want to put numbers to it. You've also traveled through, you now mentioned uh, Iran, which is a, a absolutely beautiful country. I've also had the chance to to visit to visit them uh, quite some time ago. Um, yeah, magnificent. Um, and, and, and while you were traveling through these places, 
you know, you also, yeah, you are confronted with so many different cultures and mm -hmm. you said that it kind of made you realize that you're in a bit of, of a fortunate position that you even can ride your bike around the world, right? You, you saved up a little bit, you, you got yeah. the time and realizing that that in itself is, is a privilege. Oh yeah, totally. Like, you know, I'm well aware of that. You know, I think I live in Britain. It's just one of the richest countries in the world. Um, and I grew up in Germany, which is, you know, I don't know, I don't know the numbers at the moment, you know, but at an equal scale or even higher than that. Mm. So, um, yeah. And, and I, I guess what, what comes with that is sometimes, um, like sometimes I felt uncomfortable going to some of the countries where, you know, that don't have the same GDP as we have. If you go to Vietnam, for example, um, or even countries like Thailand, you know, who are pretty much westernized. But then if you look at the average income of the person, you kind of go like, you know, I can, I can, I can travel in Thailand easily, but someone who works here on an average income, they could never come to Britain. They couldn't simply, you know, be impossible to afford the prices. Um, but I think what, like Iran is a really interesting example for that because it's also a country that is not just economically suffering big time. It is also, you know, it's a, it's a repressive system. It's a repressive state. Um, what was interesting, and I think this is the kind of thing, um, loads of people in Iran, they were, the reason, like they were, A, they were very welcoming. Um, they were very well educated most of the time as well. Um, um, if they didn't speak English, um, they had someone in the family who, who spoke English. So we had some wonderful, interesting kind of conversations around the table <laughs> where you would, you know, have a conversation with someone who speak English and you would like, um, ex explain anything or like translate it to, to, to the family, um, which is lovely. You know, this is, this is, you know, we are all, most of us are social human beings and just simply because i was born in one of those countries i've got all of those privileges you know if i would have born been born in in any of the poorer countries i was traveling to i possibly wouldn't be sitting on the bike against traveling around the world um but in iran it was interesting because what people asked i was with my brother for a few weeks and what they asked us to do um is to They said you don't have to do anything. We don't want we don't want any of your money or whatsoever. They're not interested in that, and it's genuine. Um, but they said, look, if you come home um, and you talk about our country, please tell your experiences in the way you've experienced them, which is often very different than what you read in a newspaper. Because the newspaper, um, you know, I think there's a there's a there's a like. I'm kind of a journalist as well. Like, I, and and I think there's a there's a good there, there's a role for news media and all of that. But what it doesn't paint is the picture of the positive side of things. You know, you'd be hard pushed um, to find a newspaper full of positive news. There isn't such a thing. You know, and it doesn't sell apparently. Um, so I think the role for me then, and I, I think I was quite comfortable settling into that role is just, you know, I could do my little bit. I thought like you can tell a little bit of that story, people, people, you know, a more authentic, a more positive story of some countries um, and encourage other people. And I think this is the important thing. Like I think encourage other people to basically like go to those countries and, you know, experience that themselves and 
I think if I would look back on, and that's not just on the round trip, one of the world trip, any travel, I think the amount of times where I had any difficulties is minimal. (laughs) What you find in any country is people are helpful. People try to help you. People try to help strangers, you know, like, you know, no matter what skin color or whatever you are, I think in general, people, people are, I would, for the good of people, you know, there's always people who, who are possibly not playing that role but on the other hand i I just think it's it's a it's a it's a a considerably much smaller amount of people who are out there um, trying to harm you and i think that often gets lost in our conversations you know we like this this fear which is installed in us to kind of make those new experiences just because it could be dangerous no you know it's not absolutely and i also i find it so inspiring when you go to countries like like Iran, for example, um, where you are obviously a, an outsider, a, a stranger. You know, you yeah. probably don't have the same same skill skin color. You don't have the same cultural background, religion, um, and you just walk around in the streets in little towns in front of people house people's houses, and they invite you in. Um, you know, for oh, yeah. tea, for some. You know, they they chat with you, and I sometimes like to flip that picture around and think, okay, what, what do you do if, you know, someone who's obviously not from your country, doesn't speak your language, is, is not your religion, stands in front of your house, back in Britain, back in Germany, back in Europe or in the US, yeah. you, you know, that, that, that's kind of part of right, the culture yeah, that, yeah. Got, that, that got a bit lost. Like we would never invite, you know, someone who's so obviously not like us into our houses to for some tea. Yes, yeah, um, yeah, you're right with that. And, and I think I... I do try to give back a little bit from that um, with warm showers, and I think it's a good platform to do mm, that. Yeah. Um, and and also on the other hand, it's like, um, yeah, like to as much as I can, you know, like try to be helpful when I'm out there cycling and whatsoever. Um, and I think what was interesting as well, I think, and this is something which I think did help immensely on the round the world trip. Um, I was just traveling with some, so you've obviously got your mobile phone. I think you need to be a bit careful with mobile phones because they are, um, they can communicate a certain, uh, different things in different countries. Um, So, you know, if you get your iPhone out in the US, Canada, Australia, whatsoever, no one will blink an eyelid. Um, If you get your iPhone out, which is quite expensive (laughs) in countries where people can't, simply can't afford that, um, and funnily enough, you know, they didn't know the price of my bike. They didn't know the price of my equipment. You know, they didn't know that my tent was fairly expensive because it, those things don't really exist on the market there. You know, there's there might be a fair few people um, that have a, you know, a super lightweight tent. But, you know, in general, that's the sort of thing that people can't really put in. I think this is a good thing because, you know, they... They just see a bike, and and I guess in a way the single speed bike makes it even easier because it is quite it, it's it's a simple thing, you know. It's nothing. It doesn't have a motor or anything. Um, so I thought like, no, I'm not going to pull my phone out because I'm also it's the other thing is also as soon as you pull that out of your pocket, you get dis- distracted by it. Human nature. Um, I just had some simply printed photographs of my family, of my brother, my 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 parents, and and where I grew up. Um, and those were amazing conversation starters, and 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 especially in countries like Iran, um, and 
other places were like Vietnam and Serbia, those kind of things, people were really, really interested in those because what they said, look, as much as you don't get a realistic view of our country, um, we don't get the same either. So they were really interested. So what's life like in Britain? You know, <laughs> because like in Iran, obviously, like, you know, the state media in Iran paints a very, very different picture of Britain or Germany than you would do that. I said, well, it's not really different from what you have here, you know, different, you know, very different landscape, you know, never seen as many people picnicking on the roads as as I've seen in Iran. Um, but basically, you know, we all eat, we all sleep somewhere. Like we're not really that different from each other. Yeah. I think that's a very beautiful thing to take away and 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 bring home. Right? Just and I mean in a way that's a bit what you did. I mean, you you rode through the world from, yeah, you've been through to Iran, Vietnam, you've been to Australia, New Zealand, um, and in a way also connecting, right, connecting all of these little little dots and, and, and countries and stories. And I mean, you told your story about Iran probably, you know, many, many times over your trip itself and told it to people that you then met right after the trip of the great things that happened to you in, in Iran, hopefully inspiring some of them to let them go. I always think like if I'm doing a talk, if I'm doing a public talk, if there's one person in the audience, one is enough who has heard the story and goes like, wow, okay, cool. <laughs> so far, I haven't really encouraged myself to do any of that. But, you know, there's someone who can do that. And, you know, I'm going to give it a go. Whether or not they succeed with doing it mm. doesn't really matter. It just matters that they, that they, that they take yeah. an initiative out of that you know if that happens i can't you know i'm i, I can't control that um and and you know there might be there might be stuff i've been doing which is much more accessible i mean this is the other thing as well i think and 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 around the world trip is around the world trip is a big undertaking and no matter how whatever way you spin it um but i also do think you don't necessarily need to do that i think one thing i've recognized um is that you Of course, you know, you can't travel to different cultures on the weekend. It's not going to happen. <laughs> but um, but the adventure and the um, the experience side of things, you can you can experience that if you go out for two days riding your bike right next to your doorstep. And I think in a way, um, with all the bad things that came with COVID, I, I, I think people finally realized that, you know, um, if any of that is taken away, like forcibly taken away. And I found for me personally, it was quite a scary situation because it kind of reminded me of my days in East Germany where you couldn't freely travel, where you had a government telling you, no, that's a country you can't go to. Um, um, but what you still had back then and is is the stuff that you have around your doorstep. And and I, I would argue, and, and this is the kind of thing I'm trying to get across to people if I do talks, because I knew that, um, I don't know, there might be one or two people in the audience that will ever do a round-the-world trip. You know, in, in, in most situations, there'll be none in the audience who will ever do that. Is that a bit what you're now trying, trying to do and trying to promote every day, the, the making biking a bit more accessible, making it a bit more about the fun and not only about the, 
the struggle of the physical the, the physical exercise yeah totally yeah yeah and in, and and i think it's also reflected in the work i've been doing so since 90 uh 2017 not 19 <laughs> since 2017 so basically i came back in 2016 from the round the world trip took a took a couple of months to kind of readjust myself normal thing um, and then I started um, bikepacking Scotland and and um, deliberately working with all sorts of organizations. Most of the work has been with DMOs, destination marketing organizations, to really look at um, providing opportunities for people to experience those areas. Because mm. I think um, a lot of people are time poor. So they simply don't have the time to plan oh, yeah. things. and. And that often, unfortunately, is that what prevents people from doing something. So it's not that they're not capable of it. Um, I possibly say most people are capable of things, you know, um, but it's just, it's really difficult sometimes to to know where to start. Um, my idea behind it was like, if I provide ideas to people in form of roots that are, you know, if, if they don't have the time to do the research themselves, um, Based on my experience, they'll get something that will hopefully be a good starting point. Um, although I'm always saying those routes are ideas and, and treat them as such, you know, like um, once you've ridden two or three days, you know, take the freedom and go somewhere else. It's great. It's a wonderful feeling to experience something yourself. Um, but that's basically at the core of my work, of 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 what I'm trying to do and, and, and get like... I think getting more people into cycling, and I think it is also it's interesting to look in the UK because I think we we have quite a few people who um, are very adventurous, and you know it's a it's a different cycling community over here. Whereas I grew up in Germany, where everyone just rides their bikes. That's just normal, you know. <laughs> you ride your bike to supermarket, you bring your kids to school by bike, and then just at the moment. It does get better over here. There's more and more people doing that, but it's still it's still growing. And my role beforehand um, was at Scottish Swimming, and we had exactly the same problem with with um, with swimming. Everyone like the facts were there. Like swimming is healthy. Uh, it saves you money in the long term. It makes you a happier person. All of that doesn't seem to matter <laughs> people are really good ignoring those benefits um and kind of slip back into their old routines and kind of like yeah i could take my bike but i might as well drive if you think your cycle to work is a pretty mundane affair and it can be you know it's not the most exciting thing to do treat it as a little mini adventure <laughs> and by the time you're doing that you're actually combining pleasure with something you would normally do anyway um, and I think this is where it gets interesting. And you can't, you know, you can't do that in a car, for example. It's just not possible. <laughs> you know, try to try to try to sit in a traffic jam in Edinburgh where nothing's moving, and that's not an adventure, no matter how 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 well you can spin that. Um, my around the world trip. So people always ask me, did you train for it? I didn't really. Um, but I think the most important thing on the whole around the world trip is that I. Um, for most of the time before, um, for about four years before I set off, I worked at uh, I worked in Stirling and I lived in Edinburgh. Um, and Stirling is about sixty five kilometers away, so as many times as possible, um, I tried to either cycle there and take the train back, or take the train there and cycle back. And 
those 65 kilometer journeys were so important for the round the world trip because if you have a day of 180 kilometers it sounds like a lot and it is a lot you know it's not your average cycling distance but um the way i kind of normally approach that from a mental point of view is just like it's three times riding to work so i would do the one distance anyway and i would work at least another eight hours on top of that in a, in, in my job um, I can easily cycle that distance in, in eight hours. So like if you then look at like the sheer volume of what you're doing, you kind of go like it's not rocket science, really not. You know, it's not as hard as it seems. And I think that's I think that's important. And I think this is it's also possibly the the, the little tipping thing. Um, as when, you know, sometimes I get out of my front door in Scotland and it's it's raining and it's quite miserable outside. And I was just like, oh, I really don't want to go on my bike. And I was like, well, you know, you've cycled in many rain showers and many snow showers and whatever before. It's not an excuse any longer. And that's a good thing. Thank you so much. That is uh, in, in, indeed. So it does start out with a little with a little habits. And I really like the idea about adventures, you know, at your doorstep. There's so many great things, especially, I mean, if you live in Northern Europe, if you live in the US and Canada, chances are that you have a forest, woods, any kind of park trails, you know, an hour, hour and a half away from your house. That is just very high chances. And yeah, I also see you can you can do many many crazy and uh, great and adventurous things on a on a weekend if you just you know add add that little bit to it. Do it on a bike. Uh, you know, bring a tent, sleep you know sleep overnight if you can. Great yeah. thing in Scandinavia, you know, you're just allowed to sleep anywhere you want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's in Scotland. We're pretty lucky in Scotland with that as well. That we've got almost as good access wise as as Scandinavian countries are. Um, and this this is why I'm sometimes I'm a bit <laughs> I'm a bit surprised sometimes because like you know for me I moved to Scotland because it's such a beautiful and yeah pretty adventurous country you know like I, I don't think we can claim that the country is wild any longer because it isn't um, you know a lot of the Highlands is you know there's there's very little wild about it it's very cultivated but on the other hand you just just i think it's still a great place to go outside and and they're thankfully they're new um talking about forests there's loads of initiatives over here it's just bringing a little bit more of a native landscape as well so yeah uh, one last question is um what's your most important item you bring on you bring on trips you couldn't go without <laughs> this is a good question i should have thought about that right let me have a quick think about that um it is quite tricky because I think you're naturally inclined to choose something which is super helpful and will possibly provide you with all, you know, all the cures to a thing and there is no such thing. Because, <laughs> um, you know, the thing is like the thing, like anything works as a system, so it's really hard to pick something out. But um, I do think possibly one of the most useful things um, I have in my thing is I have got, a, and, and, um, and it's something also I'm, I would possibly say, I'm not emotionally attached to many items, but I do. It's an opinel knife, um, and right, um, and for a number of reasons, it feeds you. Because <laughs> you can cut cheese and stuff like this. I'm vegetarian, so um, um, like the wild, the local wildlife is safe. It won't get butchered with a knife. Um, 
but it's quite like so you can you know i think it gives me because i'm you know i'm I'm a i'm a big fan especially on longer trips just to buy some local food and eat it somewhere in a nice nice spot and 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 um yeah so that knife is like it's been to so many places and and you know it does it, it sometimes helps with fixing things as well um you know possibly not the most useful item if you've got a flat tire um <laughs> but um yeah no i just i, I quite like that because there's also i think i think it's it's one of those items which you know if you've got something that has got so many memories attached to it is a nice reminder sometimes um that even if things look a bit dark at times <laughs> it will get better and you will have new adventures that was marcus and it's so great to see how he wants to bring the experiences that he had while cycling the world back home not only from the biking perspective but also connecting all the cultures and uh, i think this is exactly what it's about to go out into the world and and bring a lot back if you'd enjoyed this episode if you like the show please leave some reviews leave some comments leave some stars anything is highly appreciated and we are so grateful for any message and any feedback that we get just head to worldexplorerscollective.com you find all the contact details there and we would love to hear from you If you're an explorer, an adventurer, and you came back from an expedition or you have something unique and incredible planned, reach out to us. We would love to have you here on the podcast where you can share your details, share your story, and inspire people. <laughs>